0: You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest
1: episode of Booth Review.
0: Season
1: two of Booth Review is here. I'm Ken Swanson. I'm back. And I'm excited to welcome the new co-host of Booth Review I don't think this man really needs an introduction, if we're being honest. He's a, a Lawrence native. He's a, a guy that, uh, a Chesty Lion. He's a KU legend. Brandon McAnderson, BMac. I'm so hyped to be doing this show with you, man.
2: Yes, sir. They call this season two in the booth. I'll be in the booth all season, and I'll be in the booth with Kent Swanson, and we're going to get it in.
1: Dude, I I, I can't tell you, like, I I was, like, you were someone I circled when we know, when we were kind of figuring out, like, hey, you know, who might want to do season two? There's nobody I would rather taunt Ke football with. You're a guy that lives and breathes it. You're a guy that, you know, has, you know, some game day responsibilities. I believe you're the sideline reporter still, right? So, like, I mean, come on, man. Like, I mean, you grew up in Lawrence, too, like... I grew I I don't know if you know, I grew up like six miles outside of Lawrence. So like I kind of had, I had the ties for a while. I lived in Lawrence for a little bit. Like I was in the booth watching, it was before it was the booth. I was in the family zone watching you play, honestly, is what it was back in the day. I'm sure, did you you ever get in the family zone when you were like, just when you were, like before you were playing? No
2: question. We used to, the Lawrence football used to do the free, the
1: free tickets. Uh
2: Uh-huh. So we would go with all our team and wear our jerseys and we'd be on the hill throwing it around, tackling each other. Uh, man we used to sneak up you know a lot of times you'd sneak up late and just watch from the hill yeah uh, but you know I'm one of those guys so I don't go to a lot of when I was a fan I didn't go to a lot of KU basketball or KU football games mostly because you know uh, the my TV room wherever I was was like a film review session anyway mm-hmm. so we got so much out of those games and you know we got to know the players intimately but not personally and in, in the way you would in person but uh, it really allowed me to evaluate the game and and fall in love with the Jayhawks.
1: yeah and i mean you had an incredible career uh i mean it speaks for itself orange bowl champ uh just out of curiosity though you know like what are you like just maybe just tell people what you're up to these days though like what what what's b mac up to when he's not a when he's not a sideline reporter
2: man i got a beautiful life I've got a beautiful wife. She was uh she's an energy worker, has her own business. She was on the cover of Her Life magazine for the month of July. So she's big time. All right. Uh, my Brandon McAnderson Junior is a freshman in high school. Beep, 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 You gotta pull the horn for that one. Well, <laughs> if you wanna feel old today, Brandon McAnderson Jr. is a freshman in Wow. wow, it's been awesome. and I have an eight-year-old son named Cruz who's just an energy guy, super fun. He's playing football and all, and those guys keep me plenty busy. I'm also on the executive board of uh, the Legends of Kansas Collective. Uh, we are raising funds for the football program, uh, right now starting with the walk-on program, trying to put some money in their pockets, get those guys supported, and just support our alumni relations and, and make it better for everyone that's passed and everyone that's going to graduate so they can feel like they have a home when they're done here.
1: Man, dude, that's so awesome, and uh, that that's really cool to hear about what you're doing with the collective. And um, yeah, I mean, I, how how can just real quick? I'm not I, I'm not trying to turn this to you know. Just I want to know like let's let's. There's gonna be Ku fans. There's gonna be some diehard Ku fans listening to this. Like, how can they support the walk on program? Oh man, we
2: have a website called www.legendsofkansascollective.com. Um, there's opportunities to read about us, our connection to things. Uh, you can read kind of our mission statement and why we wanted to do this in the first place. And of course you can donate, uh, you know, they always need a little bread. Uh, so we always need a little money so we can support these guys and, uh, everything's really clean, man. Nobody's making any salary. Uh, everybody is volunteering their time, piecing together what we can literally trying to just create better alumni relations, uh, Better postgraduate programs, better networking for each other, just trying to pull each other
1: together and be a collective in the truest sense. That's incredible, dude. Like genuinely. And like I mean, like you like you bleed KU football. And that's like partially why I'm just so excited to have you here and like your actions are showing that, right? Like what you're doing to try to help further and advance the program. I mean, look. I, you were an early adopter right like you you knew what was up early like yeah. and I think like I I know I I've seen clips of your optimism about this program before the season even started and and your belief I think you were talking to uh the eight no seats guy eight well, no seats guys at one point with yeah. with Braden and stuff they're on the channel as well but you know it's it's so cool like I think a lot of people wanted to believe last year because they saw what happened the year prior towards the end right and how competitive things got and the, the track record of Lance Leipold. And I think there was obviously like, you know, there's a little bit of cautious optimism for people at times. Um How cool is it to see just like the expectations from last year, just completely flip their, flip them on its head to this year. Like, it's just, it's crazy to see where we were at last year with this program and seeing it now. Like, I mean, it's gotta be kind of surreal and cool for you to see.
2: It's incredible. You know, just to watch, You know, I'm not really big into making preseason predictions. That was one of the few times that I have. Um, And it was more of a feeling from what I saw than what I thought. And it was really awesome to see those things kind of come to life and the way that they came to life. Because, you know, there was that West Virginia game where a lot of good things happened. But Kansas has lost that game 10 out of 10 times, you know, for the past decade, you know, and something changed. And it didn't have anything to do with one individual player. They just had a collective belief that I saw in the preseason that you guys got to see early on in the regular season was resiliency, uh, just a team that was more together, and a team that just believed they were supposed to be there. Even though there was no information suggesting that they should, they believed it. And I think that's the strength of the coaching staff. That's the strength of the peer leadership of the program.
1: Yeah, no, and it it seems like this is something that's just I, we'll get into the offense and talk a little bit, you know, but I, I think it's just, you know, you see, you know, the san- the standard and expectation being set, you know, stability for those kids. Like those two things, just I, I think those are just just foundational blocks that are helping grow this program. And um, we can kind of start talking a little bit about this offense off the top anyway, yeah. uh, because I want to I want to make sure we, you know, we, we're going to try to talk about both sides of the ball uh, before the season starts offensively man i i was thinking about this group today you know getting ready for this show and you know i think this was an unbelievable offense last year and a lot of it was you know a lot of that group returns so it's not the excitement isn't like hey there's these new toys to work with right it's hey how good can this group collectively get How much growth can they take as a team? They're not losing. I think they lost one starter, technically, maybe two. I know they lost Earl Bostic at tackle. But really, they've got all kinds of pass catchers. they got two quality quarterbacks returning. It just feels like for an offense that tore up the Big 12, that tore up the season, that took tremendous strides, it just feels like it's more of a matter of like how this group improves, how each individual player improves to continue to grow this offense, rather than necessarily like a shiny new toy being added into the mix.
2: Absolutely, I think this is this is more excitement for the nerd. I would say that last year uh, and the some years past are more excited for like the casual fan that's looking at, hey, I want something fun to watch, and I can't blame those guys. So I'm always excited about that too. The good part is, is those guys are satisfied because you got Kobe Bryant, you have Jalen Daniels, you have Devin Neal and all types of playmakers. So those yeah. guys are like, cool. Yeah, we like that too. But for me, it's what is the next step? What is that going to look like? And what can we compare it to from the past? You know, those are the kind of things that interest me the most. And you can see it everywhere. When you have returning players, it's not good enough to come back and be the same version of yourself, right? That That's not growth. You know, that's that's uh, that one percent better that those guys wear on their shirts. It's all over the locker room. You can't honestly say you're one percent better and be the same as you were last year. So it's not it's going to be interesting to see where do those improvements happen? Because one of the things has always been physical bodies, right? You know, those guys will come in and they'll put on weight or they'll slim down or all these different things. Well, now all that stuff's happened, you know, so those things are still happening around the program. But that's not what we're focused on. We're focused on how did you grow as a player? How did you grow as a leader? What did you learn about the end of the last season that's going to propel you into this?
1: You know, I, I can't wait to see what some of these guys look like on the field. I can't wait to see what B-Mac's wearing next week because our mm. home field apparel orders are coming in. Mm. And I'm excited about that. Uh, they're sponsoring uh, Booth Review a little bit this year too as well. And I got a couple shirts from them. I got a sick hoodie I'm excited to get. I probably I don't care if it's like hot outside next week. I'm still probably going to be rocking it. Be back. I don't know what you wound up getting uh, in your in your home field order. What'd you get?
2: Man, I went with the hoodie too. You know, my eighth grader and like many eighth and ninth graders have taught the world is you can wear hoodies all the time. Uh, so home field can just go to your local high school or junior high and see 100 kids in hoodies when it's 100 degrees outside. So I'm riding the wave, man. I got a nice hoodie. I got an orange bowl shirt. I had to do it.
1: So I'm excited about home field. Man. Well, I hope the orders are in by next week because we'll definitely be wearing them. We're going to take a break. We'll be back to talk more about the offense right after this. Thanks
0: for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network
1: free to hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, feel free to leave a five-star review if you uh are so inclined. Booth reviews back to kind of talk about Kansas football for the rest of the season. I can't wait. I'm beyond excited. Obviously, we're we're talking about the offense here. And being back, I we, you said you know, it's it's about the nerds this year. Like I I think I think I've talked to this about this with you. I don't know. I am blown away at the complexity and simplicity of the way that that Kansas offense is operated the lot you know last year in the sense that like they are able to maintain core principles while being a very diverse offense and watching you know watching that group last year like there's tons of talent on that offense don't get me wrong But it was still, you know, there's still some young guys that were just starting to get opportunities. There's still young guys growing into their bodies, you know, and, and, you know, they're still trying to figure some things out. But it was just amazing to me to see that unit execute the way they did while just creating so many different problems for defenses. Absolutely, man. All that movement, all the shifting, all the motions.
2: um, It it was beautiful to watch, especially since, like you said, they were sticking to basic principles. It wasn't hard to figure out what they were doing. It was hard to figure out how they were going to get into doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a super uh, challenge because those indicators are not just based on confusion. Those indicators and that movement and those motions are, uh, they tell the the quarterback what's going on. Mm -hmm. And you know how important that is. So you you tell me as a quarterback, when you have motions and shifts on what, 90% of your plays, as you're setting up that formation, are you looking at it like, Uh, all my indicators are going to be going on this play are you thinking about time and getting the right pace just take me into the mind of a quarterback when you have the motions and movements as much as they do separate from what you have to execute in the play
1: well yeah they're huge I mean in motions typically the best man zone indicator like off the top of the head like when you've got a you know when you've got someone following you that's typically a man indicator some teams are able to mix it up a little bit and try to give you a little bit of different look but especially when you're playing with a lot of college kids especially when you're going up against a Kansas team where the whole practice is being stolen you know the time is being stolen from you as a defense trying to prepare because you've got so many different shifts and motions you're trying to keep things simple you're trying to you're trying to you know get into your checks and stuff so there's there's some predictability that can kind of be created when you create shifts and motions not just with the man versus zone indicator but when you're getting into motioning from a certain formation into some kind of empty look, teams typically don't have seven, eight empty checks. You've got some indicators there. You're able to kind of, you know, reduce the number of um, you know, number of, of concepts defensively that you're probably gonna see. So it's huge. And it's it's like that's just it it, it makes life so much easier on the quarterback. And that was just like but it, it's it's you know, it's I, I think Andy like you, kind of talked about like complexity at the front, simplicity at the end, right? We're going to create a bunch of shifts and motions. We're going to get put pressure on frankly, some of the more experienced groups in some regard when you come to talk about some of these player movements, right? A little complexity there so you can get into some of your base principles out of a variety of looks is brilliant and it, it was super helpful for their quarterbacks for sure.
2: Absolutely. and You know, it slows down that D-line and that's an important thing. Mm. One of the things that I love that they do Um, It's the trade concept where they'll line uh, Jared Casey and uh, Mason Fairchild on the same side, and then they'll trade them to the opposite side, and then Jared Jared Casey will start moving. I like that because what it does is they're manipulating the bubble on the defensive line. Mm -hmm. Basically, what they're trying to do is create space by alignment inside the A-gap to C-gap. So they're basically trying to open something up. So between the center and the tackle, They're trying to create space. And sometimes that motion is to do it. So not only do we get to see uh, number 47 move around in all his glory, uh, Jared Casey shuffling and changing pace. um, There's a method to the madness. And, you know, and that's the benefit, like you said, of the players, too, because Jared Casey is such an incredible blocker in space. So he's like, it's not just about formation. It's not just about manipulating the bubble. It's not just about coverage identifiers. It's about getting your best players in spaces to do their best things. Mm -hmm. And Jared Casey blocking in space is a slam
1: dunk. I think about, so Andy Reid and Andy Kotelnik, have a similarity. And Andy Reid talks a lot about exploiting your players' strengths. And I think Andy Kotelnik, does the same thing. I think he understands like, he looks at the menu and it's a bit like I think he he's you know they've got a lot of you know diversity in what they're able to in, get into and how they're able to get into it but I think the thing I appreciate about Kotelnicki the same way I appreciate about Andy is like to your point about what Jared Casey does well you know Andy Kolnicky's is going to make sure to find ways to maximize what Andy Kotelnicki does or what uh, Jared Casey does well and it's the that's across the board so like if they can trust you to align, to be, you know, in the right position, to understand what you're doing, you know, as a as a as a young player, as a player, period. If you can continue to earn that trust, that gives you more opportunities to have your strengths exploited uh, exploited by the, you know, offensive coordinator. I look at Andy Kotniky's offense, and like I think there's some guys, like there, there's definitely ego in the game of football. Don't get me wrong. Some guys want to call their things to, you know, call their plays to look as smart as they can. But I always think that there's just been such a logical progression and growth in the way that Andy Kotelnicki's offense runs and is built. And it's never just to show him, like, to show people how smart he is. It's to win football games, to have success on offense, and exploit the strength of his players. Absolutely. You know,
2: that's something he has a history of anyway. But something you saw right away was... We needed something to talk about as media members. So when they got here, all we talked about was outside
1: zone.
2: (laughs) Outside zone, wide zone, wide zone. Yeah. What was wide zone principles? What are those wide zone principles? And they get here and they don't have the guys to do it. So they just don't do it. Yeah. So they talked about it all offseason. And by game three, they rarely ran it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember there was an Iowa State game they played in Ames where they started running outside zone opposite the tight end. And Devin Neal started to figure it out a little bit. And that was probably like game six, you know, before they even got close to getting back to those principles so that speaks to their adaptability that speaks to the primary focus which the primary focus is winning and I know people say that a lot but if you're a Kansas football fan you know that's not always been true Mm -hmm. there's been more commitment to system than there has been to competitiveness and that is a very refreshing thing especially now you're seeing some of the players improve now they don't have to fit into a system they are the system let's make the players the
1: system so as they improve we'll do what they do best And I don't think that's normal. I don't think that's normal across the board. You you just got done talking about it. It's like you know you've you know you've seen guys trying to you know shoehorn guys into what they do or what they want to call it, how they want to call it, and it speaks to the culture of this program, I think. Because, and I'll get I'm sorry I'm getting fifty thousand feet again, but like I think Lance has done a Lance Lightpole's done an incredible job building this culture. Um, I think you've seen the fruits of that labor manifesting itself already within the program. You've seen how it's affected things outside the program, the momentum that you're seeing within you know the the city and this, the momentum you're seeing within the university and, and the 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 stadium project getting off the ground and in all this stuff, right. And it the culture being set where you know, I think Lance has incredible instincts in the people that he's hired and the people he wants, helping continue to set the standard. And I, I I think it bleeds down into, you know, the the freedom he's giving Andy Koldniki and and finding the right guy that can kind of help lead that side of the football. Absolutely. Their continuity is
2: awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like little scientists, you know, when they're walking around uh look, you know, you know, Coach Leipold will have his pencil and paper and Coach Kodelnicky will have his and Coach Sobrowski and Coach Fuchs and they're all making notes and deciding what works, what fits and then watch them put that into progress and watch them adapt the way that they do, uh, how maniacal they are on the details. I mean, if you go watch these guys practice, so many people practice, it's insane. If you went to four practices, you wouldn't know who the starters were, who the second string were, and who the third string were, unless you had seen the game. Everybody <laughs> practices, they get so many reps, they never stop in between, um, and that kind of shows what that, that continuity piece, as you talked about, culture. College football is a culture where people want to be involved. Well, you can come to Kansas and literally be involved. You know, think about a guy um, like uh, Simeon Morris, who's, you know, he is a big time back in high school, goes to Nebraska, and he comes here, and it's a loaded backfield. And he finds a niche basically doing two or three things, mm-hmm. you know, returning kicks, running jet, oh, a screen guy, you know, whatever the case may be. So he doesn't feel separate. So when you meet him, he's a great personality. The guy is awesome. He helps the team every day by the way he acts. So what's cool is this guy is not a malcontent. You know, he's not sitting on the sideline wondering why he's not getting 20 carries. They get the benefit of his personality on the team. They also get the benefit of his talent and production with his, you know, three to four touches in the game. And you're, there's no waste. There's no waste. And
1: that's that's what I like about what they do on offense. There's no waste. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's intentionality with everything they do. And like I'm I'm not getting too I don't want to get too hard on culture, but like I do think like how they've gone about building this thing and the types of kids that they've been able to bring into the program. It seems like, you know, you talk about a guy like Sevi, you know, who's a former four star recruit, but like like that that kind of attitude and energy, like that's keeping them around. You didn't see them lose a lot of guys to the transfer portal this year. You know, like that's another thing. It's like look at look at this group and what they, you know, what they're putting together, you know they didn't they didn't they didn't have a bunch of guys leave they had a lot of guys stay cuz they want to be a part of what's what's happening you know at Kansas i'm sure you know part of the reason is Jalen Daniels i think that's a that's a lightning bolt that's a player that is that's pretty special um he did some unbelievable special things last year and at the quarterback room just talk a little bit about that it's you know it's it's i'm i'm glad jason beans career is not ending on sailing a ball in, in, in the back of the end zone against Arkansas. Like, I'm glad that's not the final note of his career. I'm glad he's coming back. Um, it's, it's crazy. I think, you know, KU's got two quarterbacks that they can go out and compete with. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen with some of the other developmental kids. But we've seen two of those guys go out there and play good football for
0: Kansas.
2: Yeah, I mean, good football is an understatement. I mean, these guys are over 85 QBR, uh, three to one touchdown interception ratio. Uh, guys that can push the ball down the field, guys that have great athleticism, and with the transfer portal, you know there are no backup college quarterbacks. They just like, don't exist. You know, if you get injured, you better hope you're Alabama um, at yeah. that position. And there's only one of those, so there's just not a lot of guys, a lot of teams in the country that have a person that's more than reliable, that's an extreme talent in his own right, and is is breathtakingly fast. I mean, I went to practice last. Saturday, or no, last Thursday. And, um, I mean, he had a run that like my jaw hit the ground, and I've seen him do it. <laughs> I've seen him run fast, and it doesn't, you just don't get used to watching somebody that explosive. Um, uh, so I'm excited to see what he's added to the team, what he's added to himself. And, um, you know, I don't think about his failures, I think about his successes. And I think he's going to be big time.
1: Yeah. I, I remember the, the run against Oklahoma State was the one that kind of just was, that was kind of a jaw dropping play for me. Like, yeah. I think I, he, his, his linear speed is it is ridiculous like I understand why they try to get creative with utilizing him in different ways because you're right like that he's just he's an incredibly fast kid um and watching that run you know against Oklahoma State was just like that was a moment for him and it's really cool to see him like kind of you know in tears after that game knowing what that meant for that program knowing that what that meant for him him getting that opportunity to get that sixth win for that program like that was, you know, that was something special. Have you, have you got, you've got to go out there and check them out a couple times. Like, we'll just talk. I mean, Jalen, Jalen, and being like, how have they looked? Do you think so far this year? They looked incredible. They looked, they looked
2: in control, and they look ready for the moment because mm-hmm. this is really about playing with expectations. And in Jalen Daniels' case, playing with expectations, no Kansas football players ever played with being the Big Twelve Offensive Player of the Year preseason. Yeah. So now it's about playing with expectations and. What I can tell you from my experience is when we had to do that, it was not easy. It mm. was not easy. Uh, coming back and having the expectation uh 05 to 06, hey, you guys went to a bowl game in 05. Mm-hmm. You guys have plenty of returning players. What are you going to do? And uh, we didn't handle it well. We lost a lot of close football games. So it's a matter of, you know, can you play with expectations? Can you execute at a higher level? Can you do the things you need to do when you are not expected to lose? You know, there's gonna be games where their favorites were last year, no one would be picking them. So that that motivation is gone. Now it's about back against the wall. What do you want to create for yourself and
1: your team? It was great to see Jalen Daniels at the end of last year, the last game of the season. You know, he had the injury issues that, you know, and it looked like, you know, there's a couple games, like I think you still kind of getting back into the swing of things after the injury, but man, when he got that full break. And then he got to play in that bowl game. He was doing some special stuff. I can't wait to see what he builds off of because, I mean, what he did in that in that Arkansas game is pretty rare.
2: Absolutely, and just that any opportunity to watch Jalen Daniels, you will see a smile on my face. Uh, the Rock Chop Ground Ball Classic this year, he was um, he was at the dinner, and I got to tell him he's one of my favorite players I've ever watched here. And that's just is what it is. I mean, I've watched this team since. I was six or seven years old, 91, 92. I've seen a lot of good players here. I've never seen anything like him. And it's not just the talent. It's not just just the things that you see on the field. It's all the intangibles. He's a bright kid. And if you were going to build a college football enterprise, I mean, I want number six.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And I know that he's, you know, by all indications, he's dealing with some kind of injury. And they're kind of managing it right now. Hoping we get to see him week one because that's a special dude. The quarterbacks are throwing some special guys, and they had some special guys blocking for them. We're going to talk
0: about them right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Emac, this offensive line, like, they're, they're really, like, Earl Bostick was a, a big name and probably the biggest name lost for this program on the offensive side of the ball last season. They come back, and it's a name that KU fans should be familiar with after last season. By all indications, man in the left tackle position and probably going to wind up being the starter at the left tackle spot. Dominic Cooney playing left tackle, kicking outside. You know, it, it sounds like, you know, he has a background doing it. But, like, and I, I'll i be honest with you, as great as he played last year, coming from D2 to D1, if he's going to be out there playing at the left tackle spot, I have no doubts that he'll be able to figure it out. Because this guy, the, what he's, the transitions he's made and how he was able to perform last season, wildly impressive. I'm not putting any limits on that guy.
2: So, David Lawrence and I, we started our own little co-op, and it was called Poonie Town. <laughs> One of the biggest cities in America. I mean, this guy is, I mean, everybody's a huge fan of him. And, you know, he has some of those same intangibles that Jalen Daniels has. He has, like, that spirit and that smile and that belief that makes him better or even perform at a higher level than you would even expect. And when you talked about what I'm expecting from this season, that has been the sticking point for me in terms of taking the next step. I think the next step for the offensive line is very clear. Well, you saw midseason, and we talked about Bean's performance before Jalen Daniels took over. And in fairness to Bean, that offensive line was a major work in progress. Mm-hmm. They were not blocking people up until week seven or eight. We had no run game. We couldn't get anything going. So Bean was in a much different scenario than them, than uh, Jalen was. But once that offensive line started to gel, it was right around the time Jalen started to play and took off. What I need to see from them is they have got to, they have they were a solid group at this the back half of year one. And then in the second year, they were a very good group, but they have not been a dominant group. And I now is the time, and the players that are going to be stepping into the, those positions can create dominance. You already know about Nabitsky and what his capabilities are. Dominic Pooney, I'm confident, can play any position on the offensive line. He played every snap available to him at the University of Kansas in his first year, did it with a smile on his face and roughed people up. Mm-hmm. That left side, the potential of Dominic Pooney and Armaje, Reed Adams, I sleep, I, I pull my blanket over, and I hug it because I'm so thrilled that we get to see two of my favorite players on the team team up with Nabitsky, a guy that can direct them, and two guys that have as much physical talent that are going to be, they're going to be Sunday players if they reach their potential, there's no doubt about it.
1: Well, yeah, I talk, talk specifically about Reed, Adams, Reed Adams, he, he looks the part. He's looked the part from near Jump Street when he got to KU. Like, that guy looks different. He looks like an NFL body already. And sounds like he's slimmed down a little bit, which that doesn't mean. Like, he's still a monstrous human. Just a monstrous human, even if he slimmed down a little bit to kind of just help his movement skills. What limited we saw of him last year, I was impressed. I, I, and it was good to see, you know, he's, he's a, you know, I, I think he's a, is he, a, is he technically a sophomore this year? Is he yeah, still a sophomore like, this year? 30 year sophomore. He'll be a 30 year sophomore this year. And it's just like, the sky's the limit for that kid. Uh, I mean, and he's kind of got, he's kind of got tackle length almost. I don't know if he'll ever wind up being an outside, being a tackle outside, but like, he's got this special build. I think last year, you know, I, I agree. Like the first year Lance Leipold got here, you know, very limited time that they actually got with these kids. It was kind of a it w- it was tough early on in the beginning of the year watching them block. The line of scrimmage being changed by South Dakota. That was one of the things I remember when I first watched is them having a hard time, you know, running. They're trying they're trying the wide zone. They're, they're trying a little bit of it. And, and even the line of scrimmage, the backs were struggling to read it. The the line it was it was it was it was it wasn't pretty. It got better as the season went on. Last year, improvement in talent on the offensive line for sure. A little bit more developed physically. But like, I feel like this group is a group of grown men. Yeah. I think the group you're about to see this year is a group of grown men. Cause yeah, three years with Armage Reed Adams, you know, Dominic Cooney, Mike Nowitzki, Michael Ford getting another, getting a, a second year here. Eddie, Eddie. Right. Eddie, Eddie. I mean, Eddie, Eddie. and, and Bryce Cable, do yeah. Bryce Cable, do growing, into, growing into his own too. Yeah. He actually jumped out to me. This,
2: the practice I went to. He had a play where he pulled at, I mean, he looked like a different man. And I know you talked about how um, Armaje lost a lot of weight. It's body composition. I mean, it was more than weight loss. This guy's 3'10". He'll tell you has washboard abs, and he might. I just don't want to find out. <laughs> He's a great-looking kid, strong, has the link, and he reminds me so much of Anthony Collins. I mean, mm. it, what I liked about Anthony was, Anthony was Anthony was, like not an agreeable person. Right, like he, I mean, he wanted to fight. He wanted to be aggressive. He liked to have fun. He wanted to be himself. But what he had was self confidence. He had so much belief in himself that this guy did not start playing football till his junior year of high school, and did not play uh, offensive tackle until midway through his redshirt year as a freshman. And then three years later, was a fourth round draft pick in an Outley Trophy finalist. And that's mostly about belief. He had the right attitude. He was he was himself, and he believed. I think Armage has all of those things, and probably a little bit more football talent, and probably a little bit longer frame, probably a couple inches taller, probably a little wider. So a lot of the things that made AC a prospect, uh, Armage already has.
1: I, I I I bought some I bought some Armage stock last year. Yeah. Uh, I I I think I think I got some receipts. I think that guy has has the makings of an NFL player someday. But yeah, that 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 feels like a group of a grown man and. Like I think about like Spencer Lavelle comes in to try to 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 compete with these guys, and this is another grown man, Logan Brown, another grown man. You've got I think what's I'll I'll I'll, I'll think about I'll, I'll talk a little bit about like last year's guys and in, in some of this. Like I remember people being disappointed because, and I'm not gonna this isn't me dunking on like an Eric Gilliard or anything. Uh, but I remember some people being upset that Eric Gilliard wasn't seeing as much playing time early in the season. And if he couldn't beat out the guys from Kansas, from Kansas, you know, from the year prior, then what does that mean for this team? And some of these kind of, you know, some of these transfers that are coming in. That, I, that doesn't, like, I hope that's a lesson, right? Because the versions that you saw of these kids last year, like we talked about, is not the version that you're going to see this year, next year, however long that they're at Kansas. There is a growth timeline. There is a, there's progression. There's, there's there's improvements to be made for everybody that's stepping into that program. Player development is a very real thing now. You've seen Lance Leipold get a bunch of two-star kids and turn them into draft picks. I mean, there are draft picks on, on Lance Leipold's ledger from Buffalo, a program that was down in the dumps. These kids are getting better. And just because outside influence or outside players come in doesn't necessarily mean to be if they don't beat somebody out. That it's a bad thing. There's there's continual improvement. There's continual growth from all the kids that are in the program, and there's good kids on this football team. Absolutely. And Absolutely. so I I hope that's a lesson from last year where people were asking why some of the some of the transfers, you know, w- weren't playing as much or weren't starting early in the season. Well, it's because the kids here got better, Absolutely. and that's happening in this program, and that's why they went in six and six. They can't rely on just the kids that transfer into this program. To 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 turn this thing around, they needed the kids that signed their name on the dotted line from Jump Street to continue to grow. That's what's happening in this program, and I don't think anybody should be looking at you know who's winning out or if 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 a transfer can't beat out a kid that's already here. There's a reason, and it's because landslide holding companies see what's happening with that kid, not just the transfer. Right, and it's not like that kid stops getting better because someone else comes to his position. Right, it holds
2: him better because he has to work harder to keep yep. it. You know, you look at a guy like Taiwan. Taiwan was playing before he should have been playing. And that wasn't his fault. Yep. You, know, you know, he was a guy that was playing early because he had to. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not there's no big time major conference football teams asking freshmen to play inside linebacker. You know, he had to and then, you know, you end up judging what kind of player he is based on that experience. But look look at Jalen Daniels when he started as a freshman, a seventeen year old freshman. There was nobody calling him a future Big Twelve Offensive Player of the Year. There was no recruiting service telling us he was gonna be a one day gonna be a you know, a primetime starter for a Big 12 football team. He got better as he got older and he got more opportunities and he was playing with a team that could support his growth. That's what happened. And that's what happens across the roster. So what, when they bring transfers in, they're they're building competition and they're building debt. So it's not just one thing. You're building competition and you're building debt. I have a lot of confidence in the the Browns of the world, the LaBelles of the world, uh, Noah Gorchik. He's a guy they've been excited about. I've heard them talk about Kobe Baines like, like he's going to be a star one day. He's also yeah. a third year sophomore. So, and he had a lot of body improvement. So there's guys that are playing that I'm just excited about as the ones that I mentioned before. And like we said in the, in the beginning is that all these guys are going to play. They just are. That's how they do things at the University yeah. of Kansas. They rotate series, guys get opportunities and they get to prove themselves.
1: Well, yeah, you saw our Reed Adams sneaking into some games there. You know, he's getting series here and there for sure. And that's you know you want know to call that BMAC. I call that a good problem. That's 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 one of them good problems when you have viable offensive lineman depth. That's not normal. So I mean, and you got grown men playing there, and that's, I, it's almost like you know. I think I think there's a on the offensive side of the ball. It's kind of boring to talk about because it's the same names, uh, and I think some people get numb to that a little bit. Right. Game days aren't going to be boring. <laughs> no, you know, like, and I think that's the thing. It's like, I I get why, like, there's there's not like, you know, oh, you know, here's all these new names getting introduced. The whole offense that was lighting up the scoreboards returning, a lot of them are growing into their bodies and developing and getting better. And these coaches and this great coaching staff gets another year with them. Like, I know it's like, there's not a ton of, like, turnover. I, I kind of like it. And I know it can be boring for the offseason, but like I promise you it'll pay off in September.
2: Absolutely. Think, I mean, just as a Kansas football fan, think about six consecutive years of the same starting quarterback that you love, just just the player that you love that started one year and came back and had another opportunity to start where the talent around him supported him. Mm-hmm. I can't, I mean, I don't it, that hasn't happened very often. I mean, we'd have to probably go back to Ashiki Preston. Yeah. Um, But I thought he had an injury late in that season. So his was even he only played two years. So it was if if I think about the whole my whole existence as a fan, I've not seen much of it. You know, Bill Whittemore uh, came on late 2002, but that wasn't a very good team. And then 2003, he was incredible and he graduated. Mm -hmm. You know, And then you moved on to 2005 and, you know, you had Kerry Meyer, who we're really excited about. But he probably wasn't quite ready to play too young. So you, you transfer into, or me, that was 2006. You know, you get a little bit of Todd Reesing, but you don't know. It. So I'd say 2000, so the Orange Bowl to the inside Bowl is really the only time where we've had a returning incumbent quarterback that's an all-Big 12-level player that has pieces surrounding him, and you saw what happened there. A very good team, you know, that lost some NFL defenders that probably didn't have quite what they had before, uh, but still a very good offensive team and a very feisty defensive team as well, but I think it's just a new experience, you know, mm-hmm. to have the same guys coming back and those same guys be considered some of the top players in college football. It is a great problem to have. Um, and I look forward to more of these types of problems, you know. like For sure. You know, that's, uh, you know, Jalen Daniels is a Sunday player this year. That means we probably had a pretty good season. Yep. So You know, some of these problems uh, that uh, some of these uh,
1: problems, I should say, uh, are the kind that we're looking for it's it's uh when yeah if you're a little bit worried about guys transferring out because of playing time stuff like that like becomes a good problem uh i i was pretty bullish on these pass catchers last year uh going into the season i felt like they had some guys that showed some promise i was i was a early i have early Luke Grimstock um so i was i was pretty proud of that but um yeah i i feel good about this group again like i i think we've seen in We'll get to the the backs and tight ends real quick but like I feel good about what they have in the receiver room another year continued growth like I think will be good for a lot of these guys as they just kind of you know continue to ascend and, and familiarity within the offense and all that kind of stuff Doug a million getting back into the mix yeah. or Herbert Wilson getting into the mix like I think Tanaka Scott another year like yeah. there's there's more support coming for the for that for that front line of depth
2: absolutely and the, I mean I'm a huge Luke grimm guy um, and that tandem of Luke Grimm. What I like about Luke is Luke is just a J. He's a true and true, true and true J-Hop. I mean, you you know, he is a guy that loves being here. He fights to be here. Um, he loves it as much as anybody will ever see. That guy has, uh, uh, you know, if he opens his back pocket, J. will fly out kind of thing. He's <laughs> <And it's> that <laughs> kind of guy, and he's been a pleasure to watch because he's so tough, and he's so technically sound, but he's also a great athlete. He'll run past you. He'll juke you. You know, he'll finish and, and try to get the goal line, and then Lawrence Arnold. Just decided he was an alpha and he went out there and won one on one matchups over and over again. Uh, when he got more attention, he still won. Uh, Quentin Skinner is a guy with a lot of top end speed, six, a true six five. You know, he's so fast, sometimes you forget he's the tallest guy out there. Um, he's also a big, big time runner. And I think Doug Emelian is the guy. And I, you know, Kevin Terry, you know, even some of the young guys I've watched, I've enjoyed. Uh, Keaton Quebecca, uh, some of these guys, but. Doug Amelia is a guy that can do way more than he was asked to do last year. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a matter of them not knowing. It was a matter of him earning the earning the opportunities to do so.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it'll be a big, big season for Doug Amelia. I'm excited about him. Like I just watched him block a couple of times. I was like, okay. Yes. All right. All right, <laughs> Doug. Like, yeah, you you know what you're doing out there. Um, all right. So I I want to talk about the running back position. Daniel Highshaw looked like a draft prospect last year. I mean, that dude I know, like he wasn't the sexiest in coming into the season last last year, but guys that big, that kind of vision, the soft hands to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield, like he's not ha- he's not running a super dynamic route tree, but like soft hands and can execute the basic basic staples. Like that's a guy, the the way he played. I mean, it's exciting to have him back. You know, we can talk about Devin Neal too, but like it's exciting to have Daniel Highshaw back in the mix. and It sounds like he's healthy.
2: Yeah, I mean, this, to me, is the best one-two combo of running backs in the in the country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's close because there are a lot of good guys. Michigan's got a couple of good guys, but I want our two guys because what you have is, in Devin Neal, you have a, a slasher with good vision that's a home run hitter mm-hmm. that can run routes, that can catch the, catch the ball outside the framework of his body. Now, he's everything you would want in a modern running back. He can play all three downs, but he doesn't have to mm-hmm. because you have somebody like Daniel Hyshaw who you mentioned all of his skills? Let me tell you something. His pass pro was like it was like a it was like scenes from any given Sunday. Mm-hmm. If you saw that in a if you saw some of the stuff he was doing in a Hollywood movie, you'd be like, "Man, you're right." <laughs> Hold on, picking up a 250 pound line. Oh my God, he's picking up a 250. Pr-. You know, it was picking up guys, getting rid of them, dispatching them. That is the toughest part about playing a running back, mm-hmm. and he is one of those guys who is. Is is shorter, but he is not small by any stretch of the imaginations. He's probably five ten to 4 percent body fat. He's not the kind of guy you want to run to and run into in a dark alley. And I'm so excited to watch him uh, make plays with his wiggle. He showed that early in his career. Uh, I remember they had that big run against OU at OU as a true freshman. He's got that slasher ability where he can give you a move and get up, build, and go. But how about the wiggle, the spin moves? I think his Contact balance Contact He does everything So you got two guys That do everything There's no thunder And lightning here It's just two Great great players And when he learns To give up on Some of those plays When he just You know You break seven tackles You don't have to break 12 (laughs) You already broke six You know Get your two yards And get down And I think that's just The next step for him And he'll mature And uh, we're gonna reap The benefit of watching Him have a fantastic season
1: Well and I just I I want I, I like that he's here To help you know carry the load for Devin Neal cuz like you don't want to see Devin Neal get run out that dude's played through some injuries for this team as a young guy and you know running backs i think it's the position that you know it it, it gives younger younger players an opportunity like there's a lot of backs that you can see get get thrown into the fire pretty early like that seems like a position that a lot of you know young guys can get in but um yeah i think it's it it's good to have depth to support to support Devin Neal because you want to keep him fresh, you want to keep him doing what he does, you know, for the duration of the season. You don't want to have to put too much on him. I know Dylan mcdovey has been getting some love as well, uh, former Georgia Tech running back and former Buffalo back, I believe. I it might be another. I mean, you talk about Sevy Sevy Morrison getting some opportunities there. Like again, hey Andy Kolnick, he knows how to exploit those guys' strengths. It seems like there's some good depth at
2: running back. Yeah, we didn't even mention
1: Torrey hmm oh yeah ultimate jayhawk he's my favorite he, wow. he's one of my favorite guys to watch and how they utilize him because he can he literally he can do everything
2: yes and so that's just you know everybody's gonna play you know like you said it's boring but it won't be boring when they're in that stadium so and yeah. there's all these different things they can do and uh you know i just see Kotelniki and Kosabrowski and and light in their little toy shed you know figuring out how to use all these guys and and what ways to make life very difficult for their opponents and they've got a lot of weapons at their disposal. All
1: right, one more position we going to get to before we get out of here. Uh, the tight end spot. And I heard some real positive reviews from the next level about Mason Fairchild. So that's a guy that I think is on some people's radar. Um, I've had people mention, you know, the over the shoulder catch with Jalen Daniels, uh, some of the soft hands in the back line of the end zone. Uh it, but this I mean, this is a really solid tight end group. Like, and it sounds like Trevor Cardell too is kind of taking over a little bit too, and, and, and you know, all indications, some reports that he's having a really strong camp as well, it's shaping up to be another really strong year for this tight end class.
2: That tight end class, I mean, separate from the guys you just mentioned, they might have the best looking backups in the country. I mean, Will Huggins is six switched to eighty seven, looks a lot like a big tall Travis Kelsey type. Uh, Tavita Noah is just a powerhouse blocker. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got options after options after options after options. I hope at some point, uh, with Kodal Nikki being the tight end coach, that there's like some 14 personnel or something where they just <laughs> spray those guys all over the place. And
1: They're going to throw five out there. Uh, put them all. Hand the, hand the ball to Jared Casey. Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Please. You know he can do it. Uh, so I, I love that whole group. I love what Cardell brings. Uh, Mason Fairchild is just huge. I think that's a part that um, you don't see as much in his game because his physical part is more about his inline blocking. But, I mean, he is the size of defensive lineman, and he runs really well. He has no problems turning over each shoulder. He's a clutch catcher with his body when he needs to be, with his hands when he needs to be. He's just a very reliable player and kind of just the, you know, the the linchpin of all that stuff. And they call those guys the wise guys, which is the best. It is the best name nickname in football because they are the Y in the formation. And they are wise to a lot of the cool football things. So if you ever see those guys, we need a wise guys t shirt here, man, with the with the Jared Casey, you know, like a 50s, you know, bootleg, 20s bootlegger type stuff going on, man. We need a wise guys kind of thing going on. But I love that group. Lots of depth, lots of talent, and lots of things um, to help big targets to help Jalen Daniels kind of mix it up a little
1: bit. I mean, Jared Casey's already selling the merch. So I think I don't think it's too far. I don't think it's too far of a reach to try to get that go going. I one more. I, w- I want. to ask you this before you get out, because you know, I want to know. Like, I know we. I said, hey, look, it's gonna. It's a little bit boring in the sense that like, there's a lot of names that you're gonna remember from last year, lighting up the scoreboard. But who's the guy that we're not talking enough about that you think might get some opportunities on offense?
2: Well, you're hearing a lot about Trevor Wilson, who was a guy that uh, that first year was a big time speed target, had some really good continuity with Jason Bean, and he has that. Straight line gadget speed that I think they can really use, but with that suspension at the beginning of last year, Mm -hmm. it was hard to kind of factor him back in. You know, especially with um, how well Kevin Terry played and how well Doug Emelian was playing, and Tanaka Scott is a guy that's as talented as anyone. He just needs reps. So then, if you're trying to work him back in, it's like, where do I put him? And that's you know, there's only three of those. There's only three of those spots. In, your best, in the best world, especially when your tight ends are so good. Yep. So there's just not as many spots to see him play in. With him having a clean start and being able to be there from the beginning of the season, I think he'll be a reliable gadget player for them that I'm excited to see get going.
1: That's going to be fun. I can't wait to see this team uh, and what they got cooking on offense. Uh, that continuity is going to be a lot of fun. BMAC, I can't wait to be talking about this season with you, man. This is going to be a fun show all year. Hey, the Booth Review Season 2. We back, man. I can't wait. That's B Mac. I'm Kent Swanson. We'll
0: catch you later. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube entertain educate inform kc sports network